Hey guys, what's up? This is week 48. Uh, this is going to be an update where I got a bunch of stuff, so it's a big update. And plus, it's also my Cinema Wasteland update. I'm not going to mix them up. They're all going to be in there. I'll mention if I got them from Cinema Wasteland or not, but there is a ton of stuff to talk. I have to bring a bin down. So yeah, it's going to be a long video. Bear with me. Uh, at the end of this one, there may or may not be a, kind of a this for that thing that I'm going to start where I invite a friend of mine who knows a lot or likes movies. Uh, this time it's Keith Voigt Jr. Uh, from the guy from the Natural Born Killers uh, video. He picked a movie that I had not seen. Uh, and I made him watch a movie that he had not seen. And then we discussed uh, with each other what we thought of them, and we talked to each other on there. Uh, the sound, there's some sound issues on that. We had some problems, but uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Uh, he picked uh, Jimmy and Judy for me, the Natural Born Killers kind of rip off, and I made him watch Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. So uh, that might be at the end of this video uh, if it's not already too long. If not, it'll be on next week's. Uh, but I wanted to address a couple things uh, as well. Uh, I ended up... <coughs> noticing that there was a couple Kickstarters and Indiegogos that kind of just popped up after I shot my last one. There's an Indiegogo for uh, the Hornets Disciple and the Scars It Left by uh, Dustin Mills, if you guys are interested. This is kind of a weird uh, meta sequel to the uh, Hornets thing and the Hell It's Caused. Dustin is very prolific, and uh, he just got all the, uh, her name was Torment 2, uh, uh, Indiegogo stuff shipped, so he's going to start working on getting some of his other titles released. But if you're interested in checking that one out, there is a, a kick, uh, Indiegogo going for that. Also, there is a Kickstarter for Brian Williams and... Uh, uh, you know, the guy's uh, new movie, uh, he's working with uh, the guys who did uh, Frankenstein, uh, Creative Bikers, and Dear God No. It's called Amazon Hotbox. It has Ellie Church and a bunch of other people in it. That one looks fun. That's a Kickstarter. Both the links will be below if you're interested in donating. I know I'm going to donate to uh, get a copies of them. But uh, the first thing I want to talk about, the first movie I want to review, I actually got, uh, it was a secret screening at Cinema Wasteland. It's pretty unique. It's a pretty different, uh, crazy movie. It's called Portraits of Andrea Palmer. Uh, um, this is a super weird movie um it was by like c loins and another director a couple filmmakers but i know some of the people involved with this one so i was lucky enough to get invited to a secret screening in a room uh portraits of andrea palmer yeah this is a, a hardcore movie uh, it has hardcore uh scenes in it but it's not just a straight up porno it's made kind of like an older style of movies where there's a plot to it with hardcore scenes in it uh, those typically aren't uh, the norm anymore this was shot in 16 millimeter in uh la area los angeles so it's got a very unique cool, dirty, kind of grimy look. I, I really like how 16mm looks, especially, you know, when it's done on a minimum budget. I think that it looks uh, fairly, uh, you know, sleazy and different and unique. Uh, and this one is a, a very unique movie, especially that the fact that it is a uh, a hardcore movie, but there's a story in here as well. Uh, we follow this uh, girl. She starts off as a, a you know a cam girl, and eventually you know through drug addiction and uh, bad uh, you know making bad connections and meeting bad people, she ends up uh, a forced prostitute, uh, a complete junkie, and uh, you know lots of horrible things happen to her. Um, and, and then what the movie does is that you know a lot of movies that you watch where someone you know kind of brings a lot of bad things on themselves, you know by drug addiction and just making poor choices. You're like I don't really care about this person but somehow this this movie actually takes the character who you uh you feel bad for you know and uh it, it gives some sympathy to a character that a lot of times you wouldn't have sympathy for uh you know she's not a perfect person but you generally feel bad for her when she keeps you know 
keeps getting drugged through the dirt. Uh, the sex scenes, you know, they're filmed uh, fairly well. The whole movie's filmed fairly well. It's got a very unique look, and they, you know, use the city to its advantage. And <laughs> this is going to be very strange, but there's this scene uh, during a, a, a fellatio scene where the camera starts on one side and goes, like, between the legs and comes on the other side. And it looks, it's very well shot, which kind of surprised me for a sex scene to be shot, and you know, with such an artistic style to it or, you know, with the camera moving like that. Um, but it's well shot for what it is. The, the sound design in here, this is one of these movies where you would take a plot and you would be like, well, this sounds more like a, a drama or a, you know, like a psychological, you know, porn drama or something like that. But with the music and the sound effects, it has like a droning kind of a, you know, uh, very uh, ominous, uh, ominous presence that is, uh, you know, impending doom coming at you. And the music brings that in and it makes it almost feel like a horror movie. You know how like something like, you know, it comes at night and, uh, you know, the witch, you know, maybe they have a lot of like drama in them, but uh, the way they're shot and the music and everything about it makes it very much a horror movie, and this has that thing going for it as well. Uh, the acting, uh, the physical acting, I think is really good in the movie for the most part. Uh, some of the dialogue delivery is a little rough. I think that a lot of the outside stuff was 80 yard, but uh, some of the lines don't feel natural, like they're coming out of people very well at, at times, and uh, it seems like some of the one of the scenes was improved at a point where she gets kicked out of this place, and. Um, it doesn't really flow very well. That's the only real complaint about the movie is it's not necessarily uh, just shaky kind of dialogue at points and uh, shaky delivery on dialogue. But like I said, the physical acting is solid and uh, there's a lot of people that are obviously dedicated to it. I, I believe it stars real porn stars. Uh, I can't see uh, many actors and actresses doing this kind of thing. But there's a, a kind of a great moment in this movie where um, somebody, I think it was Ryan uh, Logston, who's a friend of mine, was talking about it. He's like, they set this up so well is that all these bad things have happened to her and then she calls a client and he calls and says uh how much for half a day uh, or a whole day and he picks her up in this van and you're thinking oh no this is going to get way worse but something happens that's a little bit different and uh it it shows uh how crazy and different the world is and makes it seem a little bit more realistic and places things in a more um uh, a realistic uh, light, you know, that not everything is horrible all the time. And it makes the horrible stuff, again, like I mentioned, uh, <laughs> even worse. I, I know that's one thing. If you, if you, everything is doom and gloom, the, you know, the good, does, yeah, and you got to have some good in there as well just to make, you know, so people know that uh, this is a world where good things happen and this person is going through a lot of bad things. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting movie. And at the end, there is some really solid uh, special gore effects in here, which there's not many of them, and uh, a lot of despicable characters in here. Um, you would hope more for more revenge angle in the movie. Uh, not necessarily a straight porno, not necessarily uh, exactly a psychological drama or uh, you know a surreal experimental movie and a horror movie, it's not necessarily one of those things. It's all of those things, and I think it's uh, pretty cool. I don't know when this is going to get released. If it, it will get released eventually, but I don't know who's going to do it and uh, whatnot, but uh, there'll be more information below the Facebook link and whatnot. But it's a pretty crazy movie. I, I didn't absolutely love it, but I, I enjoyed it, and I respected it, and uh, I'm willing to see what these people are going to do next, for sure.
Okay, uh, the first one I'll be tackling besides that obvious one, uh, or I should say the next one, you moron, but it is from Arrow Academy. It is Sleeping Dogs. I had never seen this movie. It is from New Zealand, and this is kind of like the first big New Zealand movie, the movie that put New Zealand on the filmmaking map. Uh, the director did a bunch of stuff after this, including Species and, and tons of other movies, and uh, you know, this one has Sam Neill in it. This is a big break for Sam Neill, and it has Warren Oates in it, which I love seeing. Uh, this is a crazy movie. Uh, the plot here is is uh, there's this kind of um, uh, political unrest in New Zealand at the time, and uh, this uh, fascist government is kind of pushing in, and Sam Neill is having trouble with his wife, and uh, he, she's having an affair, and he decides, you know, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. I just want to be left alone. I want to go to this uh, isolated island and live my life. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want any of these troubles. And he ends up going out, and it shows that even the people that want to be completely isolated, completely not involved, they end up getting involved. And it shows the story of this guy who's forced to be involved with this whole political, you know, uh, crazy stuff going on. And at times they show that both sides are, are horrible. And, you know, the people that are fighting for the freedoms and the people that are actually fighting the people back are bad as well. War Notes plays an American, uh, you know, military guy who's sent in to help, you know, the New Zealand government control their people. Uh, War Notes is always great. It's a very small role. And in the commentary, you learn he took this role for $5,000 just so he could do some fishing in New Zealand. Uh, they initially wanted Jack Nicholson, but they said, we can't give you Jack, but we got somebody else in mind. Uh, that's pretty funny. But uh, War Notes does a great job in here, a very expressionistic face. And uh, his interactions with Sam Neill are great. Sam Neill gives a really good performance in here. And this is one of those movies that you know it's just not going to end well. You just know it, it's building up to something. Uh, the, the the scenes in the bush are the, um, not I don't want to say outback because it's obviously not the same climate and it's not Australia, but they call them in the bush, uh, I believe in uh, New Zealand, are, are really grueling looking. It, it looks horribly miserable to film. And uh, in, throughout this movie, um, Sam Neill actually has to form this relationship with the guy who is cheating on, who, who stole his wife. And uh, their back and forth is pretty good. And it shows that throughout the end of the movie that even though that they have their differences, that there is some sort of connection between them, even though he is a son of a bitch. But, uh, you know, there's a decent amount of action. It feels fairly big. Uh, and the commentary is great because you learn so much about uh, New Zealand filmmaking, how they couldn't import fake assault rifles that shoot, or assault rifles that will shoot blanks. They couldn't do that. They had to make all these guns themselves. Uh, so I, I think it makes a great statement about, uh, you know, uh, how scary a fascist government could become and uh, how you know, even the people, the rebels that are fighting them, you know, when they go through and there's so many casualties of war, so much stuff, everybody's so full of shit. It's all, it's all bullshit. You know, everything's bullshit. Everything sucks. And, and there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And there's a couple moments in this movie, like visually that just like hurt me. Like, uh, there's a scene where they, uh, they, when he gets caught up in all this and, uh, it's a mistaken identity and he has a dog and they pull him away on a boat and the dog gets in the water and starts swimming after him and you see it pulling back. I just was like, oh man, that's so sad. So, so sad. But a uh, really great performance from uh, uh, Sam Neill, an early performance. And uh, of course, Warren Oates and all the other people do a solid job as well. Ian, I can't think of the other actor in here, but he's uh, <laughs> he's pretty good as well. And uh, great uh, job by the uh, director. It's his first uh, feature film, and he went on obviously to have a you know a very good career, and for good reason. Uh, really recommend checking this out. There's interviews with uh, the director and a bunch of other people, and Sam Neill on here, and a commentary with Sam Neill and the director and uh, the lead actor, one of the other lead actors in here, and they're pretty candid about. it. I think it was recorded for a DVD release, probably in the early 2000s. But uh, I really enjoyed hearing it, uh, and they talk a lot about it. They seem to be old friends, and it's a nice commentary and uh, nice interviews as well. 
There's a vintage making of, which I love seeing uh, behind the scenes with Warren Oates and uh, interviews with him and vintage stuff and a new making of for the early 2000s. But, you know, it's cool to see Warren Oates talk on camera because there wasn't very many very much footage with Warren Oates interviews and here and there and stuff like that. So uh, you get a gist of who the guy actually was a little bit more in here. But I uh, really recommend checking out Sleeping Dogs if you like this kind of stuff. Uh, it's a nice release. It sounds good. It looks good. And uh, I would recommend seeing it. What happens when an ordinary man is pushed to his limit? And how much does it take? I've nothing to do with any bloody revolution. Before a man... A military court could have you executed. ...says no. I won't kill people. Nobody's asking you to. Just push the button. From New Zealand's Aardvark Films, a major motion picture, Sleeping Dogs, starring Sam Neill as Smith. I mean, don't you ever worry about killing the wrong man? Just what's up? Ian Mewn as Bullen. Don't put it there! Oh, jeez, I've had a gut full of you, boy! Put that down! Nevin Rowe. <laughs> Donna Ackerston. Ian Watkin. Clyde Scott. Davina Whitehouse. What sort of help? And special guest star, Warren Oates. I'm going to get the idea that you really admire these gorillas. Well, I don't, see. I don't admire anybody shoot a little boy off a bicycle going to school, either. I won't exterminate those people from the face of the earth. That's where. I was talking to my wife. When you hear that bell, you get your asses out here and fall in and fall combat gear. Or I'll have your asses for breakfast. You hear me? What happens when sleeping dogs are woken up? Sleeping dogs. I got my eye on you, boy. Real good. Produced and directed by Roger Donaldson. Do you want to be shot? Because that's your choice. Sleeping dogs. The next one here is from Mill Creek. It is a study and tear. This is one of the Sherlock Holmes movies. It's not a Hammer film, I don't believe. Uh, it's a Columbia movie uh, made in the 60s. And uh, I put this in, and the first thing that caught my attention was uh, uh, the production design is excellent. It looks great. It looks <laughs> legit to me. Uh, this is the story of Jack the Ripper. And we've had this done before. You know, a lot of times they'll do the revisionist history with Jack the Ripper and Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. Like time after time does H.G. <laughs> Wells chasing after Jack the Ripper. So, you know, there's a lot of Jack the Ripper stories and uh, kind of changes here and there but uh, yeah we have uh, Sherlock Holmes looking for Jack the Ripper. Uh, this movie is fairly tame uh, but uh, it does cross some boundaries at times. Uh, the prostitute killings are uh, more graphic than you would expect. Uh, the lead star of this is the guy who plays uh, Baron Munchausen in The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. It was great seeing Sherlock Holmes be played that. Um, the cast uh, played by that guy. Uh, the cast is very charming. The guy who plays Watson is uh, excellent. I love him. Um, he's great in it. 
Uh, so yeah, it's got a nice cast and it's got a decent mystery. The only thing bad about the movie is that in the middle it kind of drags a little bit uh, on figuring out what's going on here. But the dialogue is always charming, the acting is always charming, the production design is top notch, and it's it's not very easy to guess exactly who uh, Jack the Ripper is. And of course, there's a resolve in a Sherlock Holmes case. You can't have Sherlock Holmes not solve the case. Uh, the DVD, the Blu-ray is bare bones, but it looks really good. It sounds really good. Uh, I was impressed with it. I had never seen this one, uh, and I, I, I like these kind of stories. I, I felt that uh, it looked beautiful. Uh, the set designs were beautiful. Production design was beautiful. And uh, the acting was top-notch. The dialogue was solid. And they painted a, a, a good mystery that wasn't easy to find out who the killer was. And they added a decent amount of characters in here. They used, like, the morgue and the doctor and they talk about it possibly being a butcher like they thought, uh, or a doctor like uh, Jack the Ripper could have been. But, uh, yeah, you get to see all different levels of class in this one, too, and the divide in the class in England, uh, you know, from the high class to the poor class, and the idea that the uh, aristocracies, or uh, whatever you want to call them in England at the time, uh, looked down on doctors at points because they said, well, that's, you know, for this, cl- for this family, that's just too low. Uh, so it, it paints an interesting picture that... Um, there's missing people uh, here and there, and you, there's like two or three different storylines going on in here, and they all kind of tie together at the end. Uh, recommend checking it out. I was happy with it. I enjoyed it. It's a nice uh, Sunday, you know, rainy Sunday watch. I think that most people will be very happy with. Oh, this is hopeless, Holmes. I mean, if Jack the River were just ten feet away, we wouldn't see him. Fog to the murderer is what the jungle is to the tiger, Watson. It conceals him from all until he pounces, and then he is evident only to his victim. So what do we do, Holmes? We must continue. Jack the Ripper will not allow conditions such as these to go unused. He is out now, Watson. like a sport, do you fancy coming up? A couple of shillings will do it. Hang on a minute, I'll throw you down the key. Here you are, darling. Catch. Mind you shut the door behind you, love. Can't take no chances with old Jack the Ripper about. Yeah, do you know something? I ain't been out in the dark for a month now because of him. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, back from Cinema Wasteland, and uh, Jeremy's going to join me for a couple of reviews. Uh, the first one uh, we will be reviewing is Like Me. Uh, yeah, this just came out. This is a Kino Lorber disc. I actually got this kind of in an interesting way from Wasteland. Uh, Jeremiah Schaefer, he's a friend of mine, he had a bunch of these. He bought a bunch of them. He liked the movie so much that he bought a bunch of them and was planning on giving them out. I was like, I- I'll-, I'll buy one off you. I don't want you to just give it to me. So I paid for him. 
paid for it because he showed us a trailer and it looked freaking amazing. And uh, yeah, so I put it in and uh, it was definitely an interesting movie, like me. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, good. Yeah, the storyline's pretty bizarre in this one. It's definitely making a comment on, you know, like the internet age of how uh, people, you know, are doing things for, like, uh, notoriety and to be infamous. And uh, it's just the title would suggest that, too. Like, like me, like me, you know, pay attention to me, be interested in me. And it's such a such a strange movie. And and it, this follows a, a very odd girl. And uh, she has the internet, uh, you know, she makes videos. And uh, one day she does a, a, a crime. And uh, she exploits somebody really gratuitously and horribly, uh, Jeremy Gardner from The Battery. And uh, it goes viral. And she starts getting a lot of likes. And she decides to take it steps further and go into making more and more bizarre, crazy movies. Uh, what makes it super interesting and awesome to watch is an amazing sound design with uh, great uh, pulsing, pulse-pounding music and uh, beautiful colors and lighting and camera techniques and uh, really weird settings. Um, Larry Fessenden pops up in this movie as well, uh, and the lead actress, I had not seen her before, I don't think she's in anything else, really, uh, she's really great, and Larry Fessenden's great, all the acting's, uh, really good in this one, uh, and it's, it makes an interesting comment about this kind of stuff, um, what was your favorite stuff in this one? Um, what's one guy's name? Larry Fessenden? Yeah, he, he was amazing in it. What was his name in the movie? I can't think, Marshall. Marshall. He, he played Marshall. Yeah, um... You know, I I don't know if I have like a favorite scene. There there really aren't a whole lot of characters. There's um the the, the two leads and like... then there's uh, the guy who makes internet videos oh, that yeah, is that judging guy. her, and that that states up a, a thing. Like these two characters in this movie are like the the scum of the earth when it comes to like the internet personas. You have like the friend zone guy who hates society and humanity so bad that he lashes out and hates everyone, and that's like this guy who hates her videos. And then we have this other person who is horrible and wants the infamy and wants the attention, but inside of her there is this also this uh, somewhat streak of kindness that you don't know is necessarily um, only put on to gain trust of the people that she's exploiting, or there is a genuine kindness in there, but it is always trumped by her cruelty and her 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 want to be noticed. You know, you, you don't find out a whole lot about her. You found a, <clears throat> out a lot about Marshall. Yeah. Um, but with her, there, there, there isn't a whole lot. Like, she's, she doesn't say much about herself, and nothing ever really comes to light about her, unlike Marshall. Like, yeah. There's some bitty pig, like, big revelations about him towards the ending, too. Um, the, I think my favorite scene, um, is the eating scene. Oh, with Not, the uh, homeless man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's this scene. It's very strange that she goes and she... Uh, and this guy, she picks up his homeless man. And, and the immediate exchange is crazy because she starts pointing the camera and says, don't film me. And they're staring at each other for a long time. And he gives, he's like, like you think he's going to be violent and angry. And eventually she takes him out to this restaurant and they proceed to eat and eat and eat. Uh, and uh, she wants information about him. She wants a story. And he, he's really, you know, doesn't want to talk about it. And uh, that that seems actually really uh, touching in a lot of ways, but very bizarre. And uh, I think the character acts in a realistic way. The homeless guy, as uh, 
And, and that whole scene is, is super weird. And, and the movie has a lot of scenes like that. And, and she's constantly wanting to know about other people but not talk about herself. She never talks about herself. And uh, that's another thing that, uh, you know, she probably has a shaky, uh, scared, you know, depressing past. But you don't ever know. And that's a good mystery about it. She might be from a completely normal family that never got attention. and or You don't know. It doesn't really matter. It matters, but it doesn't matter. Um, and when, when they get into the character of Marshall, Marshall is pretty much the secondary character. And with her in the movie, um, they basically, she kidnaps him and uh, is doing things to him and asking her, you know, her internet uh, uh, fans what she should do to him. And uh, you just realize this movie definitely makes a statement on humanity that they're not very great uh, and pretty awful in, in general, to be honest. But those acts of kindness in the movie with the homeless guy, uh, like I said, uh, why I like The Revenant so much is The Revenant, it, it will do these moments of like brutality and then there'll be this moment of generosity or kindness and then it makes the horrible stuff that happens almost, so much more worse in the movie and that, that kind of has uh, powerful scenes in this too. Visually it's great. There's a lot of trippy, crazy moments. Marshall runs this kind of hotel, motel deal and he had painted all the rooms to look beautiful. And and, and like anybody that's not familiar with Larry Fessenden, he, every time he pops up in an independent movie, he was a producer, a director himself, uh, it's gold. It's, he, he's always one of the best parts about the movies he's involved with. He pops up in, in tiny roles here and there. Even if the movie's not good, Larry Fessenden's always great. Uh, I love seeing him and he does a tremendous job and it's a bigger role for him. And, uh, as he might not be a perfect character, but he feels real. And although that there is some shady things about him, you generally like him and you want to pull through for him. And uh, it makes the lead very despicable, in fact, that she seems to care for him at times. But she treats him so poorly and puts his life at risk all the time in the same breath. You know, they, they never, like, out and say it, but I wonder if Marshall's big revelation, relatively... It's a big revelation, but it's kind of off to the side at the same time. I wonder if it's about her or not. I don't want to... Oh, oh, maybe there is something there, but I don't necessarily think that would be the case because the other people that she chooses have no connection to her. This is true. And in a world where you... In this world, you can't really connect physically. It's all over the internet. No one's connecting on a human right. level in this movie except Marshall and her, right? Right. Yeah, but th th that's the thing, though. Like, like she's like Marshall's the one that she kidnaps, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it, hard. Yeah, this is the type of movie where I can't see that unless there's these like subtle hints that I'm not picking up at. Well, it. there is, there isn't a plot in this movie. It, it's well, very. I mean, there, there there's a theme, but there isn't there isn't a narrative. It, it's very much scene by scene. It's really good. It's a message. More, it's saying something. Uh, it's less of a, uh, co it's not, it's coherent, but it's less of a straightforward narrative, I would right. say. Right, yeah. It's basically almost like three uh, things she does, and they're all connected in, almost like a, a mo not motifs, a vigilance, or what do they call those? Uh, vignettes. Vignette, Vignette like yeah. a, a couple of vignettes. But uh, it's a really interesting movie. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was more features on it, because they show color correction before and after, and it looks so different. The, the post-work yeah. on this movie is great. Uh, if you have a surround sound in your house, uh, it's, it's a powerful uh, The soundtrack coming through here, and sound effects and stuff. Uh, beautiful looking. A lot of, you know... Um, 
what do they call those images? Subliminal message uh, images that come in, I guess you'd say. I don't know if they're subliminal because they're they're fairly obvious when they come in. They're not like hidden, but there's just lots of crazy things with food in the mouth and uh, a lot of stuff that predicts the uh, in the opening. There's lots of crazy things, and then it kind of tends to happen later on in the film. But I'd give it a real high recommendation. I really like it, especially if you like stuff like that. And uh, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot to explore with the internet age of post-internet age movies that you know that could really make some statements especially how you know a lot of people be like our language is deteriorating hell our emotional our, our emotional selves are deteriorating in times but uh yeah really good stuff yeah there's been a few internet movies like there's that chat roulette one is that smiley yeah that one i didn't see i heard not so many good yeah. things but even like uh front what was that one that came out unfriended was not mm-hmm. that bad but that's more straight up just like a supernatural slasher but there's elements like tragedy girls i'm hearing is kind of all about the popularity of the, through the internet and but you know it's never been it, it's been there like the popularity what you would do to become famous like in uh other things even recently like starry eyes but this is and, and it's always been like that you know what people would do for infamy uh, billy the mm-hmm. dillinger you know but it's not necessarily infamy, they were criminals, but, you know, it's also, this. these moments are tackling it through an internet world, which right. is different. Like, you don't get paid on the internet. I guess you could. I mean, I, I mean, it's such a bizarre world, a, yeah. and nowadays it is, and it, it, it as weird and crazy and different as the world portrayed in this movie is, how it looks, uh, there's a lot of uh, realistic stuff in here with it, how people act, and and they have a lot of reactions from like YouTubers and stuff, and you're like, oh my god, man, people. <laughs> uh, and the word of George Romero is, uh, you know, it really is all over, isn't it? And Dawn of the Dead, when she says that with their watch, I think I'm being, a, um, you know, over dramatic here, but you know, it's just a crazy, crazy world. Yeah, great movie. Turn that off. You're not being safe. Scared of me? 
The next one here is from Umbrella Films. This is uh, the T-Row Del Relentis, I could never say his name, produced movie Orca. That guy has produced so much crazy, weird movies. Obviously, you know, with the success of Jaws, there was going to be a bunch of killer animal movies coming out. Grizzly, Alligator, Orca, Piranha, name it, it's been done. Dogs, uh, The Pack. A lot of these are actually mentioned in the commentary, but Orca. Um, I'm going to let you open this up and tell you how you've... This is my first time finishing this movie completely. I'm going to let you talk about the first time you saw Orca and what it did to you. It was like 3 a.m. on like a Saturday night. How old were you? I was probably like second or third grade. I, I had no business watching this movie, but it was on like USA or some some channel late at night. I'm just watching it and like it opens and this is like around the time of like Free Willy coming out. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch this Free Willy movie. And then it starts and the whale's eating people. They hoist it up and there's like an abortion. I'm like, and like, like my like tiny child brain was like, you know, I really shouldn't be watching this. I'm terrified to fuck right now. Let's go ahead and finish it. And it, it was like a fever dream, like, until from, like, that time until, like, last night when we watched this again. And uh, watching this movie is, <laughs> is very intense. It has Richard Harris in it, uh, Bo Derek, Peter Hooten, who else is, uh, Will Sampson. Uh, there's there's some familiar faces. It's got a nice cast, and it's a super bizarre movie. And I don't think it's very much like Jaws at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, really. Um <clears throat> We have uh, the story of a guy who's after a great white shark, and uh, uh, Robert Carradine's in it too. And Orca, our killer whale, kills this shark before they can capture it. They're trying to capture a great white shark. That's not going to end well. No, no, great whites can't live in captivity. And uh, so he gets fascinated by this orca, um, and he uh, wants to capture the orca. What happens is uh, orcas are uh, monogamous, so he ends up trying to capture the male, and he kills. He snags the female while hurting the male. He chips its fin. And um, he pulls in the female, and she appears to be pregnant. The whale gets caught up in the propeller, and it it ends up dying. And uh, being a highly intelligent creature, which Richard Harris didn't understand the orca was, um, he uh, becomes the uh, object of this thing's revenge. It wants uh, Richard Harris dead, it wants his crew dead, and it becomes stalking him and hunting him uh, to revenge his, um, you know wife and unborn baby and that scene when they pull that uh the mother on board i almost turned it off again i think i turned it off years ago because it's so powerful and disturbing and uh the way it looks where the whale gets caught in the propeller and the way they hoist it up on the deck i'm trying not to spoil but this is right in the beginning of the movie and the the, uh you know the abortion scene it is awful like i'm like i'm gonna throw up man uh this is it just feels horrible and the male's off to the side screaming and whining and and yelling and ramming the boat and it's a really dramatic scene and uh the ennio morricone uh score in here sets that the whales in the very beginning do the credits are like jumping and swimming together it sets like this beautiful love story between whales and then they immediately Immediately slaughter it like uh, it's about as cruel as a Disney movie opening, uh, but gory. And uh, I did uh, in the commentary they did mention those are animatronic whales. Those okay. are not no real whales were harmed in this. And while watching it, uh, maybe it's the filmmaking, maybe it's uh, how good the animatronics were. I think it maybe Carlo Rimbaldi did it. He mentions him in the commentary. I'm not sure if he did it exactly, but. Um, because uh, he was talking about so many movies, and I'm getting a little uh, confused on there. But uh, that guy did the possession and ET uh, special effects, and uh, 
um, lizard and woman skin. But uh, yeah, it looks so real. I could have swore that they were actually killing a whale. And I was like, man, I really don't want to watch this if they're killing a whale. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, <laughs> if it's like a, a bull or something that people eat on a regular basis. So watching somebody hack up a killer whale in this dramatic moment, I was like, man, is this Cannibal Holocaust 2 right here? But knowing it's animatronics makes me feel a little better, but it looks so real and the scene's done so well. And immediately mm -hmm. afterwards, Richard Harris feels bad because he realizes how intelligent the creature is and he knows he made a mistake. And, uh, but, uh, Richard Harris is such an arrogant, ignorant, uneducated bastard at the beginning of this movie that no matter what he does throughout the movie, he can never really truly redeem himself. So he's not very sympathetic. So you immediately side with the orca, the mm -hmm. killer whale, and, uh, and you want him to get his revenge. He actually even starts attacking the town where his boat is docked and uh, the town people's being supernatural, uh, having this, I mean, not supernatural, having superstitious, they believe that uh, he has to go out and face the whale before this whale will stop attacking their town. So they basically make him be a martyr to save their town and Will Sampson, uh, in, the wise Indian in the movie, or Native American, I should say, um, goes along with him. Yeah, the, when I was watching this last night, it, like, like there was just that weird parallel of like, like, Okay, either this is science, and you shouldn't go out and kill a killer whale. We should probably just go back out to like the East Coast or something. Or, or, or is it is it really like like is this actually a supernatural thing that's happening? Like, is it, like this town is essentially saying, "Hey, we're afraid of this whale. You got to go out there and kill this whale because this whale wants you." Like it, it felt so weird to me. Like, but, well, you couldn't resolve it nicely. And I like that though that they never come out and say it's supernatural or never right. come out and say it's not supernatural because I, I kind of like the odd, like you know, Pan's Labyrinth, like how you, yeah. who opened that damn door to let her out? You don't know. Is it all super? Because you can like chalk up every thing to not supernatural mm -hmm. besides that because i mean the whale's doing feats of like stuff that he shouldn't be doing i mean probably i i think he is powerful enough to do that stuff but the way he acts seems supernatural i mean it's like and it, and it's so much more believable than like jaws 4 like right. it's like no sharks don't do that they would never do that they're not smart enough to comprehend revenge right and, and the title jaws 4 jaws 4 the revenge it's like that is complete nonsense but this one's a little bit more serious than that and as uh, brian sauer said in uh, just a disc he said this movie flirts with that like well-made film with really good acting and like score and uh, filmmaking and then it flirts with that exploitation line mm -hmm. and it does and, it, and at times like you see the whale being killed you're like man i feel awful and then at times you're like, this is some really uh, you know powerful acting by Richard Harris and some of the cast and crew. And it's strange. And the other lead in the movie, she's like uh, a scientist, of course, and she has interest in Richard Harris almost as a specimen as well as she does with the whale. But she has also kind of this infatuation with them, which is hard to kind of buy because Richard Harris is such an oaf in the movie. And uh, she's infatuated with him and the whale, and it's almost like she's just curious to see how this thing's going to play out. Same thing with Will Sampson. Like he's just like, oh, yeah. well, I got you know, I, I'm involved now. I have to see how this plays out. You know. Maybe Maybe I can help this guy in a way. And uh, later you find the history of Richard Harris. And you understand why he feels this weird connection with the whale and how the relationship is so strange. And I won't spoil that because it's kind of revealing and uh, makes the coincidence uh, seem almost supernatural in itself that this is fate, that this would happen to him and his own ignorance. Uh, and he has a beautiful line that is going to possibly spoil something. But one of his best lines in the movie is this, he talking about the whale. He said he loved his family more than I did. Mm -hmm. And that's just such a wonderful line in the movie. <laughs> the more you think about this one, the better it probably is, you know. Um, 
I enjoyed it. I think the third act gets a little weak, and uh, you know, I don't think Will Sampson, Will Sampson's character, he's kind of a shaky character. Those characters are always kind of shaky when you yeah. come in. It's like I'm the all-knowing, wise Native American character, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And Will Sampson does such a beautiful performance in One for the Cuckoo's Nest that's not really stereotypical at all. Um, and it's just an, a, a wonderful performance. And this one has the stereotypical tropes in it, but it's they're not like insulting. They're not like, but it, it's kind of strange to see that, and it's just kind of weird. Uh, that that's just such a strange stereotypical thing in movies in general for years and years and years, but uh, I thought Orca has its, its moments of violence and uh, craziness, and the whale is scary. He yeah. is terrifying, and he's in it a lot. He, yeah, they 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 show the whale probably every five minutes. You, you get a whale shot. Um, animatronic is great. He's yeah. an animatronic. Do you believe that? A lot of like times he's an animatronic. Thing. Well, like when um in the beginning when there's the one on the beach and like it was moving, I'm like, is that a fucking real? Or yeah. Is that a real whale? <laughs> no, it, it looks very, very good. It does. It, it, it yeah. So, sometimes it looks really fake and rubber, but sometimes, I didn't think so. I think when it was on the boat, it looked fake to me. Maybe a little bit, but I not. But that's just 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 seeing a whale straight up and down. It look it's like that's not what a whale looks like. It, they go this way. It looks pretty good <laughs> on uh, Blu-ray as well. Umbrella did a really good job. Uh, the acting is great in this movie. The soundtrack is beautiful. Ennio Morricone is probably the best ever. You know, maybe not everybody's favorite, but you can't deny his uh, greatness. Anybody that told you he was bad would be a liar. That's not objective. I mean, that's not a uh, subjective. That's objective. He's great, uh, but. Um, uh, other things in the movie is just uh, the features. There's some features on here. They have an interview with uh, Dino's wife, and they ask her some questions here. They ask her about the rumored possible, because he uh, produced the remake of King Kong a year mm -hmm. before this. It was a big hit, and this one was a fairly big hit. And he, uh, Dino brought up possibility of Orca versus King Kong. How awesome would that have been to think about it? I'm not a big fan of the 70s King Kong, but it's been a year since I've seen it. I used to love the sequel to that, King Kong Lives, as a kid. Because I was, I, I loved it as a kid. I watched it all the time. King Kong lives. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of uh, you know th that cracks me up. And they also there's a commentary on here with a big fan of the movie. He knows a lot about ecological horror movies, um, ecological or whatever you say, ecological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, killer animal movies and the cast and crew. He does a he does a really good job. It's very informative, very interesting, and uh, very. Um, uh, passionate. He's not one of these people that's bored with the movie and just doing it for a paycheck or doing it because he was asked. He he loves the stuff and it shows. Uh, nice release of a cool movie that I'm glad I seen the whole way through. I think I turned it off last time years. I, it was late at night one time and I, I put it on and I was like, you know what? This is a little little heavy for me right now watching this uh, whale get get gutted on a boat. But uh, yeah, uh, Orca. Um, and it's 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 really great to know throughout the commentary that no animals were harmed in this movie because it looks damn good at mm -hmm. the point. And uh, it's a revenge story, and, uh, you know, um, no matter what party's out for revenge, it never ends well for them. And I, I like, even if it's an animal, and I like that uh, kind of motif in revenge movies. But uh, I like it. You? I like it. It's it's kind of legit terrifying. Anything in the water is kind of scary to me, and they they, they do a good job. Solid movie. And they, I want to say one more thing. They managed to kill people in some unique ways that you wouldn't expect. <laughs> with, uh, the, with the whale, it's just like, oh, he's a whale. He's just going to ram him or drown him. It's like, no, there's some other things that happen which are kind of crazy. And uh, uh, some gory moments here and there. But good mm -hmm. stuff. Really recommend it. The ancient Romans called him Orca Orcinus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. 
they remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. An innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty. And the ultimate battle of man against nature begins. Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca. Can you commit a sin against an animal? He followed you. He saw you on the deck of the boat. They always remember the human being who had tried to harm them. He deliberately left you your boat because he wants to fight you on the sea. I won't do that. Now the fish have vanished from the fishing grounds. And it's all because of your whale. In fact, I won't fight him at all. You're not even man enough to accept the excitement of his challenge. I'll fight you! You're a vengeful son of a... Starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Keenan Wynn. A spectacular adventure. From the depths of the sea. To the top of the world. It's going to be a fair fight on equal terms. A fight to the death. Nolan! Between the two most dangerous animals on Earth. What in hell? Man and Orca. Okay, the next one is The Pick a Movie. And this was done by Adam Weber. Uh, he picked Sushi Girl. Uh, yeah, I had had this for a while. I'd never seen it. It's a magnet releasing. I think next week um, is going to be Doom Generation by uh, James Grimmer. So that's the Greg Anarchy movie. It's been years since I've seen that one. But Sushi Girl. This uh, this feels like a, a more, uh, you know, kind of a Tarantino-inspired movie with a big, you know, a big cast, a crime caper, kind of told uh, out of order in sequence of, you know, storyline, you know, not told in, you know, chronological order. We have here is this guy. Um, he just initially, he gets released from prison and he's called in by Tony Todd. And uh, Tony Todd calls him in right when he's out of prison, and he said, "And you learn that there's these missing diamonds that these guys pulled a caper." He goes in there. There's a bunch of other people in the room. Uh, one's uh, Mark uh, Mark Hamill uh, plays this guy named Crow. Great performance, great performance. And James Duvall is one of them from Donnie Darko and Doom Generation, which is strange that I'll be reviewing that next week. Both the Pick'em movies both have uh, James Duvall in them for the two weeks. But uh, yeah, there's some other people that make appearances in here. Michael Bean, Danny Trejo, Jeff Fahey. Small roles, wish they were bigger. They're not, but I'll live with it. And uh, what what this whole movie is, the, uh, Tony Todd also tremendous in the movie. All these people were involved with this caper or this crime, uh, you know, this uh, robbery. And uh, they're all sitting around this table, and there's a sushi girl in the middle of it. And uh, uh, Tony Todd explains that on the outside is the more predictable sushi. But when we get towards the middle, it's a very, very uh, delicate... Uh, delicacy of a blowfish and it's possibly poisonous on the middle towards her, you know, her more private areas. And so the whole uh, movie unfolds there and they think that this guy who went to prison is holding out on them. And uh, as it progresses, they decide to start torturing him in graphic detail. 
Uh, and there's another character, I believe his name is Max, and he's kind of like the tough biker guy. And him and Crow, Mark Hamill, go, uh, Mark, uh, yeah, Mark Hamill, go back and forth, and uh, you can tell that they're setting it up for, you know, a falling out with these guys. And there's a lot of hidden history with these guys. You can tell that all the characters have passed with each other. And uh, the more it goes on, the more it comes to light, the more you see some of the backstory here and there of the robbery, which I really like seeing. And it's in a trap location. It's it's very heavily inspired by like a Reservoir Dogs, Tarantino-style thing. Um, Tony Todd gets very emotional here. He tells great stories. And I'm not, I'm one that, you know, like Tony Todd, can when he's emotional, he can be great, like Night of Living Dead 1990. And then sometimes if you don't reel him in back, he'll over like overdo it, like in Hatchet 2. This one I think is perfect as well. He's very uh, intimidating, but he uh, does a great job in here. Uh, I Like I said, uh, my favorite parts of the movie are with Mark Hamill and Max going back and forth. I can't think of the actor who plays Max, but back and forth at each other's throats until, of course, it all just explodes. Um, and all these characters have, you know, hidden a hidden spot. They're all up to something. They all have something to hide. And uh, by the end of the movie, I was very happy with what happened. Uh, and, of course, the Sushi Girl is involved. It's not called Sushi Girl for no reason. Sonny Chiba also has a role in the movie, if that doesn't sell you guys. Uh, Sonny Chiba from a bunch of movies. Wolf Cop, uh, Doberman Cop. So, Wolf Guy, Doberman Cop. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think it's really interesting and really fun. But uh, the one weak part about the movie, and, and the torture stuff is graphic, uh, the one weak part about the movie to me is um, the performance of the guy who was initially released from prison. I thought he was going to be the star of the movie and uh, he's not. It's it's more of a you know uh, ensemble cast and I was glad too because I, for some reason uh, when he's being tortured it, his screams and his physical acting is good but I just don't buy him with the tough guy dialogue. It just doesn't feel natural coming out of him and it feels really kind of weird and I just didn't think it was particularly great i'm not trying to be uh, negative and and point out somebody's performance but it just it, it usually don't do that but this one i just didn't think i, I thought that you know he was kind of getting eaten alive when he was paired up against like mark hamill and the other guy and tony todd and james duvall it's just he it's really hard to you know compete with those guys but uh, some funny moments as well. Uh, well acted for the most part. Great, uh, really well acted for the most part. Uh, and uh, I, I like how it unfolds. I like these kind of crime movies. You know, not everyone can handle that toss that type of dialogue or that type of storyline as a director and filmmaker. And uh, and uh, they did really well with it. I, I really liked it. I liked the twist at the end. And uh, uh, good stuff. Uh, I'd recommend checking it out. I wish Michael Bean and uh, you know. Uh, would have been in it more, but uh, you get what you get, and I'm happy he was even in it in the first place. But uh, Sushi Girl, I would check that out. Thanks for the recommendation, Adam Weber. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, besides that one minor complaint, that's the only thing I had, but uh, good stuff. Tonight is the first night in six years that our boy Fish has breathed I thought we might do something unique. What is this? You're welcome back, Pilot. There's a few loose ends that we need to tie up. Where's my money? You really think I would try to rip you off? I really wish it hadn't come to this. But you don't leave us many options. Why didn't you tell me you had all these fun playthings here already? Torture. Oh, no, it's not. Not yet, anyway. I'm going to ask you nicely one more time. Give up those diamonds. So, it's going to be one of those nights.
Okay, let's get to the pick a movie. Who are we gonna draw this time? Who we got? We got uh, Steph, or is it Seph? S-E-P-H. I remember that uh, I didn't get her or him. Uh, I'm not sure what name that is. Is that it's, is this actually a uh, way to say Seth? I, I'm just going to say it like that and stop talking about it because I'm sounding like a bigger idiot than I already did. But uh, yeah, uh, let me know what you want to watch. Like I said, Doom Generation is going to be next week. But let me know what you... I think you actually did pick. I'll just have to go look what it is. But uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out regardless. Uh, let's get into the Q&A. There's a couple questions here. Christopher Dallier, favorite Charles Bronson kill in a movie? Hmm... I love in Death Wish 3 when they're running down the street just shooting people. Um, I love, um, uh, let me think of one that just, it comes to mind, number one, I think it's probably, I was just talking about it at Wasteland with somebody. Just the one that comes to mind besides the, do you believe in Jesus? That's my favorite. That's my favorite. But you guys probably already knew that. Do you believe in Jesus and Death Wish 2? Yes, sir, I do. You're going to meet him. And he shoots him. Love that. But the Death Wish 5, when he poisons the cannoli, I love it. It's so funny. It's so great because <laughs> the guy he gets a poison cannoli by Charles Bronson. That's just beautiful. Favorite Rashiro Diodato movie? Cannibal Holocaust. It's one of my all-time favorites. I love House on the Edge of the Park, Jungle Holocaust, stuff like that. Cut and run, but Cannibal Holocaust, man, beautiful. Nick, which two thriller subgenres do you like best and why? Evil kid flicks or Psycho Biddy? Exploitation flicks. I enjoy both, especially the bad scene and whatever happened, Baby Jane. Those are both great movies. Uh, that's a hard question. Uh, I think that the old Biddy subgenre, I think that the movies, um, there's probably not as many in there as Evil Kids. Maybe there is, but they're, they're, if they're bad, they're not usually bad. None of them are horrible. None of them are unwatchable. Uh, but when a killer kid movie is great, it's, it's great. Like, who can kill a child? <clears throat> I can't really pick that off the top of my head. Uh, I like both of them probably about equally. You know, uh, I don't love those genres. They're not my favorite genres, but... Uh, I've watched a few here and there from both, and I've always pretty much enjoyed it. I think that there's a lot more bad killer kids movies out there than there is bad old bitty movies for sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, if you told me that you had to watch, I had to watch 20 of each, I'd probably pick the old bitty movies, I think. But they might get a little bit more repetitive. I don't know. Tough question. Like both of them. They both have their problems. They both have their positives. Do you ever get tired of based on true story horror movies? Not really, because that's such a wide variety. It could be like based on a true story, and it's barely actually based on the true story. It's so hard to determine how how based it's going to be. So not really. I mean, it's a it's a very uh, broad broad subject. What you, what's your favorite Clive Barker adaptation? Do you mean he likes Candyman and Dread? My, I mean, like, do you mean that he didn't direct himself? Or that he did direct himself. Because if you're including the stuff he directed, it's got to be Hellraiser. Even though I have a, a very close fondness for Nightbreed, I just can't choose over Hellraiser. I think Hellraiser is a masterpiece. I know Nightbreed has its problems. <clears throat> and I see those as an adult. As a kid, it would have been Nightbreed. But uh, it's kind of like, you know, I see the problems more so as an adult. So, But not directed by him? <sighs> That's tough. That's really tough. Uh, I don't I don't really know. You know, I... I I've I've liked Candyman, but I was never a huge fan of Candyman. Uh, Hellraiser Two is kind of like an adaptation based off Hellbone Heart, uh, so I would go Hellraiser Two that he didn't direct, but actually directed Hellraiser. Uh, let's get into the update, guys. Okay, boys, here we go. Let's start with boys and girls. I should say this is going to be a huge update. First, uh, I picked this up at Wasteland. This is Barbed Wire Dolls. This is a Jess Franco movie. I have not seen it. Uh, I don't know much about it, but uh, I heard JP talk about it, and for the price, I grabbed it. Audio interview, director Peter Stickland of the Just Franco, the films of Just Franco. So, yeah, 
I hopefully it looks all right. You never know. Uh, with Full Moon, sometimes the prints aren't perfect. And we have Laser Blast by Full Moon. I've never seen this movie. Always wanted to. Looks fun. Looks cheesy. Looks like it could be a good time. We got a new co uh, commentary by the director on here, Charles Band. Uh, everybody knows Charles Band. Roddy McDowell's in this one. That's uh, what made me. That was the final deal. I picked it up. I was like, Roddy McDowell's in this? And I didn't even know. Uh, Robot Wars. I think this is kind of the sequel to uh, Robot Jocks, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, by Stuart Gordon. Don't uh, quote me on that. Uh, we have uh, just a couple little uh, features on there. Um, not seen this one. Uh, I have seen, uh, I believe I've seen Robot Jocks. I can't remember everything. Then we have, I picked this up, uh, Deep Discount. This is the only Blu-ray from the Corman collection I needed. Star Crash. I believe this is a Luigi Kazi movie. It has Joe Spinell in it. Uh, Star Wars cash-in. I don't hear many good things about the movie, but it's loaded with special features. So that's, check out that, guys. It's got a bunch of stuff, Star Crash. Then we have which I've always wanted to have on Blu-ray. This is on my wish list for a very long time. Uh, Strother Martin's in it. Uh, killer snake movie. Man turns into a snake type deal. Also, it's got the guy, uh, the sidekick guy from Cockfighter in it from last week. So, yeah, uh, this uh, the interviews, new interviews on here. So, uh, that's cool. And a theatrical trailer. Uh, not seeing that. Didn't pick it up at Wasteland, though. Then we got uh, the Dead Zone uh, Blu-ray Import Edition with Christopher Walken, uh, Martin Sheen, and Tom Skerek. Uh, also Herbert Lom in this movie. This is a, a great movie directed by David Cronenberg. Uh, I, there's some features on here as well, uh, audio commentary. Uh, I uh, love this movie, actually. This is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Uh, Stephen King, uh, Christopher Walken, and David Cronenberg. That combination is insane. But, uh, yeah, great movie. Not had a chance to watch the Blu-ray. The Man from Hong Kong. This was a good price. Again, got it at a deep discount. Uh, has a bunch of the director's other films on here, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like there's some damage to the back of the case there, uh, which I did not notice. Just noticed it. But it's got uh, Stunt Rock on there. And uh, what is that? Death uh, Cheater on there. Cheaters on there. So, yeah, that's pretty cool on a bonus disc. Man from Hong Kong, not seen it. We got uh, the Vinegar Syndrome release of Blood Hook. This was a trauma release, if I'm not mistaken, with a nice hard slipcover loaded with features. Uh, yeah. And we got the other cover on there. Love that cover. Uh, really enjoy what Vinegar Syndrome does. I'm caught up on other Blu-rays after uh, Wasteland. I picked these up at Wasteland. Tear. Uh, this is the Norman... Uh, Norman J. Warren, uh, I believe, uh, movies. He did Alien Prey, which they just put out. Yeah, but check that out. I know the slipcovers are limited, so. But it uh, looks pretty cool. I've not seen this one myself. Blue Vengeance. This one I've never even heard of by Vinegar Syndrome. Looks super bizarre. Again, always loaded with features. They always do such a good job at Vinegar Syndrome. They say they polish turds all day, and uh, every once in a while you find a true gem. Uh, it's one of my favorite companies, hands down. We have the Satanist. This looked interesting. Good price for it. Diabolic table at Wasteland. Uh, Garage House Pictures. I've not really dived into their stuff yet, but that's the one of two I bought at Wasteland. And we have Web of the Spider by Antonio Marighetti, aka Anthony M. Dawson. Did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm. I am interested in checking these releases out. Uh, they did some other ones too, The Intruder and. Uh, uh, I dismembered or dismembered. I'm kind of want to check those out. We have Ichi the Killer, which I got at Wasteland. Good price, pretty cheap, fifteen bucks. Yeah, 
Uh, this is a new release of it. Uh, you know what? I've never been the biggest fan of Ichi the Killer. I've only seen it once, though. But we got an audio commentary on there. Yep. Is there a reversible cover on this one or not? I don't know. No, it looks exactly the same. Then we have, uh, this was handed to me by Jorge, Overdose, Death of a Punk Rocker. It's not a horror movie, but uh, he wanted me to review it uh, for a friend of his, and I certainly will. Uh, <clears throat> well, we have the last horror film, a.k.a. Fanatic, with uh, Joe Spinell from Troma and Carolyn Monroe. Been a long time since I've seen this one. The Blu-ray was only 10 bucks at uh, Wasteland, so I grabbed it. Then we have Red Crocodile. I got uh, this at uh, one of the tables, just a used copy of it. Looks like it was a screener for $5 on Earth Film, so I grabbed it for $5. Why not? And what else do we have? We have Plague Town, which was, uh, again, 10 bucks. so why not? Not seen this one. Look cool. And we have four bootlegs here. I try not to buy Blu-ray bootlegs, but, you know, sometimes uh, you can't help it. Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. I believe this Blu-ray is completely out of print, so I grabbed it. Never seen it. Russ Meyer movie. We have uh, HD Uncut Print of the Devils. I've not checked this out. Hopefully it is uncut. Hopefully it looks all right. I don't know where the print came from, but I'm interested. Love the Devils. Want to see it uncut in HD. Capone. I know there's an HD print on Voodoo. Not seen this one. Ben Gazzara as Capone. That's a bootleg. And then we have Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. Not seen this version of Kill Bill, but there's all the different changes they made on there. If you want to check it out, pause it and read them. But yeah, so I'll be interested in watching that. Not seeing The Whole Bloody Affair, actually. Oh, I'm going to have to do some maneuvering, so bear with me, guys. Uh, yeah, Wasteland was a blast. So much good stuff. And then I came home, I had a bunch of stuff already. But here we go from Deep Discount again. Wild Angels by Olive Films, Peter Fonda. Uh, you know, produced by Corman, might even been directed by Corman. He did a lot of these. I can't remember. Yeah, this one is directed, I think, as well. But uh, it's got a nice cast in here. Biker movie, of course. Probably inspired after you know, like uh, Easy Rider came out. The Trip with Peter Fonda and Bruce Dern, another Corman one from Olive Films. And we have Gas, another Corman one, or produced at least. These might all be directed by Corman. And we have Psych Out. Again, uh, we got Dean Stockwell and Jack Nicholson. Cool stuff. And we have FX, which I picked up at Wasteland. Have been years since I've seen this one. Kino Lorber. We got Virgin Witch, which was waiting, which came today actually from Redemption. Deep discount to fifty percent off. I paid under ten dollars for that one. Uh, the Sinful Nuns of Saint Valentine. Again, another redemption title. Especially got a decent amount of features, it looks like, on there, which is pretty cool. Then we got Scum, which is, uh, geez, this is, uh, what is his name? Alan Clark. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Ray Winstone. I remember it being pretty brutal, actually. A crazy prison movie. Been a long time. Then we got some uh, Scorpion and uh, Code Red titles. You can't go to Wasteland without getting them, right? From the Diabolic Table. We got Spasms. With Oliver Reed by William Fruitt. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I'm I'm willing to check it back out in HD. Again, another Killer Snake movie. That's two Killer Snake movies in one update. They had this there, which is really cool. This is a, a, a three-feature Mama's Dirty Girl, Supervan, which I believe I have seen, and Piranha Piranha. Not to be confused with, just Piranha. But yeah, uh, Code Red release, three titles on the disc. I like that. Then we have Caged Men, which I have not seen from Code Red. It's another prison movie. Good price on it, ten bucks. 
And we have the carrier, which they got early from the Diabolic Table. I've not seen this. I had the DVD, but this looks interesting as hell, man. Uh, he told me that like people are melting in it. Uh, I don't know. Looks great. <clears throat> Almost Human by Umberto Lenzi. This is the Code Red version. I really dig this movie. It's been a long time since I've watched it. Uh, Henry Silva, Tomas Milani. The Boneyard on Blu-ray from Code Red. They had that there early at the Diabolic Table. I have not seen this in a uh, little bit. Uh, I have seen it probably a few years back. I watched it uh, for the second time probably. This is a pretty crazy movie with really gnarly special effects and uh, unlikely leads. Uh, pretty cool movie actually. Great special effects. Cool zombie movie. Top of the Heap. This looks super bizarre. And for 10 bucks, I was willing to check it out. That, uh, it was a Diabolic Table again. This is The House That Vanished and The Eerie Midnight Show, which is out of print now, but at uh, they had them at Diabolic, so I grabbed it, 25 little little steep, but it's out of print. <sighs> I know that it's cut, but I wanted to check it out. Enigma Rosso, uh, this is the third in the Schoolgirls in Peril trilogy, uh, the first two being What Have You Done to Solange and What Have You Done to Their Daughters, What Have You Done to Our Daughters. Uh, this has obviously has Fabio Testi in it, it looks like. I've not seen this one, and I'm really interested in checking it out. They had it early at the Diabolic Table, Scorpion releasing. We have the Sec, which originally, this is the two-disc. It's supposed to have some sort of sound issues. I, I really enjoyed this movie, but I have the single disc, which doesn't. So I basically bought this for a bunch of features on here and the cool slipcover. I don't know if they're going to be replacing the uh, disc. I guess it's something with the mono track or the track comes through. Uh, if you have it in Dolby Digital on your thing, you have to change it to mono or the hissing will come through the background speakers and the subwoofer. I'm not sure exactly. Something along those lines. But the sack, it's a really cool movie. Uh, Kill and Kill Again, the sequel to, uh, what is I can't remember the original, but they just recently released it at, over at the uh, Dark Forces Big Cartel. I'll have to pick that up because I got the sequel. Uh, what we got over here, we got some other ones. Uh, I grabbed the uh, UK edition of, uh, the foreign edition of Baskin. Seven films released it over there. They had it at the table. Pretty cool. I think it's region free. I really like this movie. This is one of my favorites that came out that year. Uh, really, really crazy Turkish horror movie. Uh, got a lot of guts and it was really surreal and, and shocking. We have Future Shock, the story of, uh, 20,000 AD or 2000 AD. This is about comic books from Severin. Not seen it. And UK Arrow released it. Uh, this came early. This is Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Uh, I I love the Italian cannibal movies. This is a bunch of features on here. I've not seen this one in a long time. I remember being a little lukewarm on this one, but I'm definitely willing to check it out again. Uh, Joe D'Amato, of course, directed it. So Then we have uh, Blood Harvest. Uh, Diabolic had these. Uh, there's some rights issues with the 88 films release, which is this. And uh, we don't. I don't know if it's going to get released by Arrow or what's going on with it. Or you know, so I grabbed it just to check it out before maybe I'll never be able to again. We have 99 Women from a Blue Underground. Uh, I ordered this on eBay. This is a three disc set, or two disc set. Yeah, three disc set. That's a nice set for a Just Franco movie. So yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But not seen this one. But uh, Herbert Lom's in it. We have uh, got this at Wastelands. Uh, this is two movie Circus of Fear and five Golden Dragons. I think these are both uh, Christopher Lee double features. So is, is Christopher Lee in this one? Maybe he's not. But he's definitely in this one. Yeah, he's in this one. So that's pretty cool. Christopher Lee double feature. Then we have Snuff, which I got at Wasteland as well for 10 bucks on Blu-ray. Blue Underground Disc. It never actually completed Snuff, but uh, yeah. It's there. <clears throat> I've never finished the whole movie. I did watch Tanning years ago. This one is nice from Diabolic. This is uh, uh, Giallo e Vancia, 
I believe is how you say it. Uh, I don't think I can show the back, but this is a, supposed to get a Code Red release, but this is a Blu-ray. It's English-friendly. Uh, I've not seen this movie. I heard it's probably one of the most uh, brutal of the uh, um, giallos of all time. Yeah, there's lots of stuff going on in that back. I probably shouldn't have showed, but uh, I'm interested in checking it out for sure. Um, we have Zombie, uh, a.k.a. Dawn of the Dead. This is the 4K edition. They had it there. Had to have it when I saw it. Uh, Dawn of the Dead's one of my all-time favorite movies. It has the uh, Euro cut in uh, 4K and the rest in Blu-ray. Uh, hopefully it's better than the Japanese version I had previously, or I wasted money. But I do get the 4K disc, so... I couldn't pass this up when I saw it. It's the Thing UK edition in 4K. Uh, yeah, this is the special, awesome edition that's uh, out of print now. They had the Steelbook there, too, but I chose for this one. Bunch of features on here. Uh, I know that Shout, I have the Screen Factory release, but that's only a 2K scan, but that's a 4K scan of it. Love the thing. I'm not going to talk much about it. It's just brilliant. Deep Red, uh, this is the United States release. Uh, they had this there a bit early. Uh, yeah, Dario Argento Classic. Uh, nice hard box. Bunch of features. Two discs, two versions. Gotta love that. And then we have here the uh, Tasho Trilogy. Uh, got a good deal on that, 30 bucks. Not seen this one, actually. But uh, that's an Arrow Academy. Bunch of features on there as well. Cool stuff. Uh, don't know much about that. Then we have some DVDs. Uh, this came. Uh, Strap for Danger. I reviewed that. This is the uh, Richard Griffin movie. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, that's like a sex comedy. Uh, <laughs> a crime comedy weird movie. It's nuts. I picked this up. I didn't have this. Four action cult pack. Movie marathon. Four movies on there. Uh, what's on here? Let me check. Uh... Bulletproof with Gary Busey, Bamboo Gods, and Iron Man, uh, Trackdown, uh, and Scorchy. Scorchy, the title. Yeah, but these are really cheap, uh, the Shout Factory releases, and I like a uh, bunch of stuff on it. We have Crazy Mary, or uh, Crazy Mama, geez, and uh, The Lady in Red. This is another Corman double feature. Looks cool. And what else do we got? Happy Hour Holocaust Part 2 by Jim Roberts. Let me see if I can... I'm on the DVDs now. They're a little bit bigger. Hopefully that's good. Uh, yeah. First one was a horror anthology. Had some gory stuff. Jim Roberts makes some crazy independent gory stuff, so I'll check that out. Probably review it for you guys. Picked this up from Artsploitation for 5 bucks. Meat. I had not heard anybody talk about this one. I didn't even know it was released, but that looks crazy to me. Then we got uh, this one. Looked also very weird. Your eyes are bleeding. I don't even know what this is, man. This looks nuts. William Hellfire did this. Looks super bizarre. Five bucks, couldn't pass it up. I went in a family video when I was there. Once about a time of Christmas. I think they talked about this on a podcast. Was it us? Exploding Heads? So it was a dollar fifty, guys. Fear of the Dark. This is another uh, Todd Sheets movie. Uh, not seen it. I got it for a good price, five bucks. So cool. We have The Bottom, The Before Time. I don't know. I grabbed this. It's just, I think it's a midnight releasing. It was a dollar fifty. Looked interesting to me. Uh, this is a sensitive New Age Killers for a buck. I think I have this in a, a set, but for a dollar, I, I just grabbed it. Couldn't pass it up. Then we have these triple features. The uh, Rare Flicks uh, Volume 3. It has um, Ninja Strikes Back, Lady Street Fighter, and Avenger of the Bushido Blade. Bushido Blade. I have the first two volumes of this, so yeah. Pretty cool. This is a uh, uh, Media Blasters release, I believe. It has Code Red down on the logo, too. And then we have Volume 4, which is Boogie Vision, Transformed, and Lightning Bolt, which they actually released. So for 10 bucks, I couldn't pass that up. 
And I think they only released the four version uh, volumes. And then we have Beach Rats, which was a dollar fifty at Family Video. Looks interesting. Heard good things. And then we have Young, The Adventures of Young Van Helsing. I bought this strictly for a joke. Uh, it's a long story involving what my cousin got me this on VHS and knew I hated Van Helsing when I was like 18 and I broke it with a hammer. So I'm going to give him this and see what he does. And uh, that's all the disc. Uh, I also picked up a Vinegar Syndrome shirt. Uh, let's see if I can zoom out a little bit for you guys. Looks pretty cool to me. Love Vinegar Syndrome. Great company. Uh, little bonus disc here because uh, he was handing those out along with the Robot Ninja Flyers because uh, J.R. Bookwalter is also releasing Robot Ninja on Blu-ray. There's going to be Indiegogo coming soon. Grab this book here from the 42nd Street Pete table, uh, Exploitation Nation. <clears throat> His book, the, what is it? Here it is. A Whole Bag of Crazy. 42nd Street P has lived, uh, you know, seemingly a very interesting life. And guy knows a lot about movies when you talk to him. So checked out his book. We have another. Uh, he wrote magazine article for this and stuff, I believe. And it was a bundle, so I got them all. But, uh, yeah, that's all the update of uh, the Wasteland stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's been long, <laughs> and I am tired. Uh, now back to the video. As always, guys, thank you very much for watching. And you guys have a good one. Hey!